Unturned is presented by Update AI. Do you guys ever get customers that take advantage? That like every oh. little thing, they could easily Google it themselves. Or they could easily just, you know, but they, they, it's just easier for them to write the one sentence note to you. A few years ago, all of LinkedIn was like, we're not support. And it's like, but you're who they know, <laughs> right? Like, like we are the advocate for the customer and we should always be the person like the funneling any type of conversations that we can to the right path. Hopefully they learn at some point to then start going there, but most of the time they won't, right? So welcome to this edition of the Unturned CS Insider Mashup, a roundtable discussion that goes deep into the recent trends in customer success. Introducing your hosts, Christy Feltarusso, John Johnson, Mickey Powell, and Josh Schachter. Is that your dog, Josh? Jesus Christ. Like right on cue, he wakes up now. I was like, I thought he was in a coma. <laughs> Go give him some more drugs. He's awake now. It's a good Wait, thing I have we'll my headphones so. on because my dog can't hear him. Can you? <laughs> yeah. So just ride that mute button, Josh, when you're not speaking. Just wait, we're live. This is the yeah, podcast. There's no live. We're doing it over again. <laughs> we'll skip ahead. Hey, everybody. I'm Josh Actor, and I'm going to talk really quick right now because I want to get out of the way before my puppy starts barking in the background. Welcome to this edition of Unturned. Uh, I'm here with John Johnson, Christy Falterusso, and Mickey Powell. Guys, thanks so much for being on this episode, and welcome back. Oh, what's up? I think we're visual now, right? They're seeing our faces. They are. Yeah. Yeah. This is I great. I hope so. I put on my good eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I got my hair cut this weekend. I actually you got, I, I got really them all nice. cut. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very a little handsome. fade. Thank you. Ooh, yeah. Thank I like you. It. I like, I like the I, shape. I mean, it's like really flattering. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I like it too, John. It's a little bit of like the SoCo, the SoCal style. I, I it think. is. I have to see. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm wearing my Vans and my skinny jeans still. So um, the, uh, the, the, the youth would not appreciate it. <laughs> In this week's episode edition <laughs> of see the CS Insider Report, there's a few articles that are coming out that, that caught my eye here that are going to be talked about. Um, the first one is from Daphne Lopez from HubSpot. And she writes a really cool um, opinion piece about the importance of CSMs redefining their roles so that they're not just thought of as being support, right? It's like CSMs say, hey, you know, ping me for anything, whatever you need, contact me. And then all of a sudden they get bludgeoned with just support tickets and, or support issues and, and kind of the, 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 the value of the role a little bit is, is diminished. So um, I want to know from you guys, how have you approached this with your CS teams in, in, in advising them? Like how do you communicate to your customers so that you're setting the proper expectations of the role of a CSM and they're not just somebody that's there to get support issues. I want to hear Christy first. Okay. All right. So I would say the biggest thing for us is setting expectations early on in the partnership. So when we do our partnership kickoff, we're very deliberate about talking about roles and responsibilities and not through the lens of like, Oh, this person does this, but more so like, Hey, Mr. Customer, if you have this type of issue or this happens, this is where you're going to direct that. So I would say setting expectations upfront has always been a I think a big part of us getting it right. But guess what? Customers don't always want to follow the rules. So what the team is instructed to do is obviously guide in the moment. And so 
I know CSMs, we, I think the tendency is to just be super helpful, right? Like lean in, a customer has a problem. Great. Oh yeah, we're here to help. We want to do everything we can. Um, we actually instruct our team to actually do the opposite, right? Is to redirect the customers. If it's a support related issue, we make sure that we are, thank you for sending this over in the future. You know, I've routed this to support or I've entered it into the queue. Here's a link to the ticket in the future. These types of requests, we ask that you send these directly to support and here's why, right? It's going to, you're going to get a faster response, bring it resolved quicker for you, right? Having this sit in my inbox is just, you're just burning daylight. So we try to add some clear expectations around that, but then also the value of getting that right. Um, we don't, we, we want to be helpful, but like, honestly, we want to empower the CSMs to actually own their role and not feel like they're begrudging to what the customers need and want to use them for. Right. And that's not just support. It's support. It's professional services. It's product. It's leadership. It's like whatever. Right. So we just try to empower the team to say, nope, that's outside of the scope of my role, but I can help you. And here's how, right. I'm going to redirect you. That, that's the perfect answer. I don't know where else to go with that. I think you just kind of, you, you, you just put it all out there and, and we're taking it in. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah, where's, yeah. The, where's the bell ring? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That, was like, that was like the old school debate scene. And he's like, he's like, I don't got anything else to add. Yeah. I, I do actually have something to add. Yes. Um, Christy, you're wrong. No, I'm just, yes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but I, I actually like, this is something that I really love. Like I, I saw her post and, and, you know, I feel like two years ago, all of LinkedIn was like, we're not support. And it's like, but they know, but you're they, who they know, <laughs> right? Like, like we are the advocate for the customer and we should always be the person like the funneling any type of conversations that we can to the right path. Hopefully they learn at some point to then start going there, but most of the time they won't. Right. So the thing that I did want to add though, I actually, you know, when, um, when I'm on with customers, if I notice a trend of saying like, hey, man, I've known I'm noticing that you're coming to me a lot for these support questions. And, you know, you may have noticed that I'm sending you to support a lot. The reason being is that I like to explain to my customer and I say this like, hey, just so you know, I'm on these meetings all the time. <laughs> so your request may sit in my inbox for a day or two, maybe more, depending on like how things are going. But I want to make sure that you get the the important, you know, the, the focus that you need on these requests so that I'm, I'm verbalizing that with the customer so that it, it does trigger in their brain to say like, Oh, he's not ignoring me. Like, I don't like getting those. Hey, I sent this email to you two days ago. And it's like, well, yeah, but I also told you I'm sitting on meetings <laughs> like this eight hours a day, six hours a day at times. Right. Depending on your capacity. Um, do you guys, do you guys ever get customers that take advantage that like every oh. little thing they could easily Google it themselves or they could easily just, you know, but they, they, it's just easier for them to write the one sentence note to you. Do you remember? Let me Google that for you. Does anybody remember that, that website? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like my favorite backhanded compliment for the, for the listeners. If you don't know what this is, it's let me Google that for you.com. And you basically, it records a clip of a link to Google something for them. <laughs> and it's just the best thing ever. Um, you can't use that with too many customers, but um, <laughs> no, not, not, not in uh, I don't think I saw that on, on Jeff Bruins box, um, you know, customer <laughs> success toolkit can, chart. Can, can I add one more thing to John's thing? Cause I, John, I love, I love the conversation that you're having with customers. I will say if you are seeing it come up a lot, like if you've got a customer who just notoriously is sending you these things, I would also lean into it a little bit, right? Ask yeah. why. They might not be getting what they need from support. And so they feel like when they go to you, it's quicker, it's more yeah. thorough, it gets resolved, it feels yep. escalated. And so when I start to see patterns like that, 
I lean into it, right? If we've done our due diligence and said, hey, this is who you go to, we've kind of led them to water, here's that I had a ticket, whatever, and they're still not doing it, I'd ask why. Yeah, right? I love that. And for them, listen, they might have the, oh, you know, I'm such a bonehead. I just, you know, I completely forgot. I'm so busy. Fine, right? We'll just reiterate it. You might also find out that like, you know, actually, Christy, I'm just not getting what I need from support. Anytime mm-hmm. I email you, it just seems to get a different level of attention, right? And different level of uh, escalation internally. So, you know, that could be something also that you bring to support. So I wouldn't say just continue to ignore it. If it's happening all the time, maybe ask a question as to why. Yeah, I love that. It's all about proactivity. Like why? The, asking the why both to your customers and internally. Um, I know this has uncovered a lot of gaps with our support team specifically. Um, not that they're doing anything wrong, but it's like, you know, how do you track SLAs and are you keeping, you know, track uh-huh. of all of these response times? So it gets complex. There is a school in France that is offering the first ever bachelor's degree in customer success. This was just reported. It's going to in um, somebody, you know, Diego reported it in LinkedIn here. Um, and it really caught my eye. It's going to be in the upcoming edition of CS Insider as well, the report. And I want to know from each of you guys, are you buying or are you selling a customer success program, bachelor's degree? Yeah. Are you is buying there, or selling? Mickey, Mickey, start with, go ahead. Yeah. Is, is there a batch? Well, number one, I didn't go to college. So like, you know. That's why I want to start with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't read good. So I, <laughs> I'm actually curious, like I'm, I'm a huge advocate of customer success, full stop. But second is like, is there equivalent, like vocational, edu- like vocational style, like focus area degrees, like for tech sales. Tech sales is great for a lot of people. That's how I got into tech was through sales. So Man, why, why does this get a degree and other things don't? Is there something I'm fundamentally different that we should be offering a degree? I mean, I think I honestly, like, I actually think this is, this is pretty tone deaf. Like, like I think like what makes a good salesperson, it's not the ability to like pick up a phone call and go through like the sale. It's understanding and no- the the knowledge of the of the industry, right? So it's knowing your product, it's knowing the problems and the and and that type of thing, right? So a, a masters of whatever in customer success should be a business degree. Like that's yeah. that's it. Like you like it, retention and all of these things. Like customer success is 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 I, it's I guess it's not fundamental in the way that an MBA is right now, but I can't see how there would be a difference or a benefit to having something that is focused on customer success. Because if you dither it all down to business to like, that's good business is how to retain, how to grow, how to, how to solve problems. Right. I mean, that's like the core of a good MBA program. And I don't see, I mean, without like looking at the, at the program, I don't know that I would look at somebody differently if they held this, this bachelor's degree versus, you know, an MBA or something. Yeah. John, John, from from your academic background, if you think about, I went to art school. Well, that's listen. So, if we think about um, from pre K all the way to art school, yeah, what's the (laughs) a linear path? There there was art in pre K too, I'm sure. Uh, What's the number one skill that you've taken out of your academics that you've applied to curiosity? Curiosity. Um, so, so, so really in pre-K, you could have stopped your education. Now yeah. That, just how to finger paint. Like it's truly like red is cool. Blue is 
cool, green, yay. Um, <laughs> I went for music. It was it, just a lot of weed and, and studios. No, but I mean, like, like this is the thing. And I'm actually like in the process of talking with my eldest about college. He's a senior next year in high school. And, and we're talking through like what he wants to get out of college. And there's like new paths that exist today outside of like a traditional education where like, I don't think that higher level, not all, there are some, obviously some outliers for sure, but that the higher education is built to, instill a desire to grow and to learn i think they are based on on tests and i see it with my little kids too like they're they're really good at filling in bubbles on their on their you know scantrons and it's like but they don't ask questions and they don't they're not instilled in this like this wonder and this beauty and this is what i love about having an artistic background is that i was like instilled from an early age that like creativity is the greatest success that you can imagine like that if you can dream it you should be thinking of big things um, and I, like, I just, that's not really like the higher education now, um, unless you go to art school. <laughs> so, yeah. Work. Yeah. Preach. You yeah. Know, and I love that you're thinking outside the box. Like I have a, my daughter's nearly five. When, She's also applying to, to yeah. college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Early admissions to, uh, Brown. <laughs> so no, but I, I like my wife went to college. She enjoyed college, but we've had a frank conversation of like, our daughter might not go to college. Number yeah. one, it's hard to know what's going to happen in the next 14 years. But number two, so like my wife studied kinesiology and is now a Gainside administrator. I didn't go to college. I worked in retail and then I got into tech. Like, like those are non-traditional paths. And so many people have those non-traditional yeah. paths. And to your point, John, like I made a deal with myself when I didn't go to college. I was like, I'm just going to be a lifelong learner. And I'm just yeah. going to keep learning until I can't learn anymore. And I hope it works out. And long story short, it has worked out. Yeah. So like, we're not even saving for college for Logan. We are saving for her, but we're not doing like a college specific plan because we know it's very possible she won't want to. I kind of hope that like when she's 18, 19, she's like, I want to travel for six months and then I want to start my own business. And I'll be like, cool, here's 50 grand. Go do it. Yeah. Could I have 50 grand to... To do that, yes. Too? Let me adopt you and claim you on my taxes, and we're good. perfect. I love it. Mickey's still banking on ChatGPT for <laughs> know, eighteen yeah. years from now. He's that's it's going to be ChatGPT University for yeah. twenty dollars no, a month. But I do think that yeah. this is also like one of the things that kind of gets missed in customer success is that like our job should be creative. Like it we should. Creative. But I I feel like a lot of practitioners come in expecting to just follow a playbook and and check the boxes and move on to the next one right yeah you see like the great people the greats the greats the goats whatever <laughs> if they exist um i don't know we all have those you're, badges you're sitting with one on our linkedin right she's right here um are the ones that like can think outside the box and that can like really think through problems strategically and, and creatively and come to and come to conclusions that are not based on some playbook that their manager kind of put out right and i would a bachelor's degree teach you that or would it just give you a more expensive playbook? That's the question John, that I would wouldn't ask. wouldn't you say that like experience is what gives you that? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. So to get that experience, though, you've got to get an opportunity, right? And so yeah. I don't know that I would go the route of like saying that the four-year college path, that like we need courses on customer success. But there are organizations like, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, course careers. Yeah. That they build courses exclusively for these different tracks to help folks who want to have an alternative to go to a four-year college mm -hmm. and it helps them get the fundamentals around different 
core competencies, different disciplines, and then helps them land jobs. And these kids out of high school are getting jobs, making close to six figures. And guess what? They don't have debt. Yeah, it's great. So those courses, I think, are really useful. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that, so what I would say, just because of the way that my brain works, is um, our companies, from a company's perspective, are you more likely to hire somebody who comes out of a four-year institution that doesn't actually equate experience, right, in a specific industry versus one of these boot camps? Um, This is kind of the argument that a lot of the coding boot camps have, too, is that, like, look, you're going to come to us and you're only going to focus on coding. So you only pay for coding and you're going to get the same job that you would have gotten if you got a computer science engineer, a degree or whatever it is. Right. So, uh, you know, like I'm I'm all for it. I just think that I wonder what the industry is like, like as a hiring manager, are you more likely to hire somebody with experience in the field or somebody who has no experience in the field but has a degree in this top, you know, in this subject, right? Um, what does the gatekeeping look like for uh, these types of educations? I, I'd be much more likely to 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 look for somebody that that like Christy's describing has come from boot camp because they're they're showing that they just have the gumption to go through it to power mm-hmm. through it themselves. They're you know. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the with the, the four year degree, uh, the no. bachelor's degree in customer success, but there's a little bit more cushion there, right? It's yeah. a little bit fluffier. Whereas, you know, if you're somebody that's going through this this boot camp, you probably don't have as much means, and you've probably had to kind of you know to to grind. Uh, to, and, and it shows perseverance, and it shows your conviction and passion for wanting to do this role. So I don't know that that's what would shine on the resume for me. Yeah, agreed. I know I, I, a bunch of folks that went through what's that SV SV Academy. Mm-hmm. They, they ran something and, and it was, you know, not a, not a highlight for, for a good, good amount of people. A lot of people went through it and not a lot of people found jobs through it. Right. So looking at what, what's the, like, this is actually like, I talk about my art school. I went to the art, art Institute of Seattle. Um, and it, that school doesn't exist anymore because they promised jobs in a field it through their recruiting saying like, Hey, pay us this money and we'll get you a job in this field. And those jobs didn't exist. Right. So I think that there is a trick like the, to, to, to advocate for the, for the business degree or whatever it is, like that's broad. That can apply to anything, right? You can take that anywhere and people will recognize it. But if it's a high, like if it's a specialized industry thing, there probably isn't the same cross functional value that you would have um, going through that program versus going through um, higher education. Did someone say chat GPT for customer success for free? Update.ai has you covered. CSMs get automated summaries of every customer call. That's real time savings that adds up. There's no bot, and Update even works alongside other tools like Gong. Sign up today at www.update.ai. That's update.ai. There is an upcoming upcoming mastermind, I think they call it mastermind, I don't know, a webinar. For success coaching? Yes, from success mm-hmm. coaching. Yes, it's actually upcoming in a month from now. Um, but it, it's going to be Ooh. featured also in the report. And it's called Utilizing Storytelling for Customer Success. This goes actually back into the behavioral economics. I'm a big fan of storytelling. Um, I actually wrote about it recently on LinkedIn. It's always been an Achilles heel for me, but it's something that mm-hmm. I've tried to improve on. And I'm wondering, are you guys using storytelling frameworks and techniques? Well, I am after listening to your last podcast, Josh. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, are you? That's that, that actually wasn't a, uh, that's not a a plug for my podcast, but, um, I mean, yes. Um, I think, man, this is getting really tricky. I think these days, cause it like, I really miss, 
I miss sitting in a room with people. Like I really miss like a captive audience and I don't feel like it's the same over zoom. Would you agree? Yeah. Like it's harder to get, like it's harder to get that almost kind of like Ted talk vibe (laughs) where you can feel engagement and feel energy um, when you're doing this. It's, you know, we're friends. So it's like, we know each other. So we kind of can build some of that repertoire, but you can't really do that. Like with a zoom that you've, you've never met in person. I don't know. Um, it's difficult. Mickey, what about you? Yeah. Um, I've been working, I've been working remotely since 2017 and I've definitely thought a lot and tried a lot of different things to keep people engaged. And one of the, one of the things I do employ is like, try to try to be better at storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like what does storytelling mean to you, Mickey? So I'm a big fan of Nancy Duarte. I mean, I haven't, I'm going to listen to the, the Kendra Hall episode because I'm sure she's got great stuff. Um, Nancy Duarte, she's the one that actually helped craft the narrative for an inconvenient truth, Al Gore's mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm. Um, and she, like the way she presented it was just really, like, just really easy to understand of like, you know, you have the, the status quo and then there's some, you know, big conflict and then you make the leap. And then there's like this trough of just like everything sucks because it's so hard. And then that's where like the, your, you know, metal is tested and then you reach the peak and you're like, cool. And we celebrate and we have a good time, but then the process repeats. That's like mm-hmm. the, the story arc. So I think about that a lot. Um, and I've actually thought about it a lot in terms of customer success. And actually, I think that's what Josh actually, when we first met, I think I kind of told Josh about this theory that I have of like, you have a customer and there's a bunch of people in that company and they're all kind of going through their own story arc and like understanding where they are is actually is kind of like a, an extra advanced tip of like, this person might be like celebrating a big win. So like you should share in that celebration. Another person might be really in the shit, just like they're not in a good place. They don't know where to go. They're struggling. And it may not even be about you or your, or your tool or product. Um, or somebody might be like needing you to like show them what's possible and what mm-hmm. and, like why they should take this leap. And I think that's one thing that we we don't consciously think about a lot, but we experience it. Where like I have to talk to this person in a very different way than I talk to that person, and thinking through the framework of like where are they in the journey, and then who are you to them? Yeah. So like, are you Yoda? Are you Obi Wan? <laughs> Are you Han? Darth Maul? Are you Darth Maul? You could be, right? You could be the antagonist in their story. But I think that that'll help you frame, like, who do you need to be for them? I think there's two interesting ways that CS can use storytelling. The first way is to tell tell the customer stories about yeah. how others have been successful, the founder story, the origin story, the value prop story. And Kendra talks about some of those frameworks for storytelling. And the other way is to relay the story of the customer back to the organization internally so that everybody has yeah. a vivid understanding of what the customer base is going through. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think it's incredibly important. I think it's, it's a skill that sometimes is underlooked and undervalued, but for CS in particular, because CS is at like the front lines with the customer, they are that bridge. They know uniquely what the customer is going through, the emotions, the characters and stakeholders involved, um, and I just think, I just think it's really important, um, for, for CS teams to develop that. But I guess my question then for all you guys is, do you think it's important to have like templated scripted scripted is a strong term, but like 
stories that everybody on the team knows, you know, case study stories that you can present to the customer or your founder's story to align and unify the messaging. Uh, So I kind of, I think about it. I was actually processing a little bit while we were talking through this. Um, I think that they're part of what I love about our job is that we spend a lot of time discovering. We spend a lot of time. We should spend a lot of time listening and and less time talking. And I think at times, you know, the thing that makes QBR terrible and the things that make all of these things that we're kind of used to kind of terrible is that you're just a talking head kind of running through slides. Um, I like to think of the story that I'm telling is more the story that I'm writing with my customer and that it's a choose your own adventure. Like that's the book. That's the analogy that I would use is that when we're sitting in this room, I'm asking them, it's like almost like we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like if you want to get nerdy on this, right. And it's like, I've got the script and I've got the arc and I've got kind of the template in the map, but we're going to fill in all the colors as we go. And they're going to talk to me about these pain points. And I'm going to say, that's, that's actually really interesting. And to, to your point around scripts and templates, I think that it's important to have a broad sense of your, obviously your company and your mission and your goal so that you can apply, Oh, okay, well I need to guide this person down this pathway or they're going down this pathway on their own. And I want to, I want to capture their whole thing, right? So that I can then elaborate that story elsewhere, outwards or inwards. So I think that it, as long as we keep that hat on, that the story is always being written with our customers and that it is not a, a one-sided, um, like passive choice to say, here's your story. This is the book. I'm going to talk and you're going to listen. And it's like, let's actually like create this together and you get some really compelling conversations and you get some really great value with customers out of those. I like that approach. Christy, what's the founder's story, the origin story of client success? Do you know it's it? It's a long one. Is it you a villain story notes? or a hero's yeah, story? Yeah, give us the cliff notes. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I don't know how many people know this about Dave, but Dave used to be... Who's um, Dave? Sorry, not, not everybody sorry. knows who oh, Dave sorry, is. sorry, sorry. You're right. I forgot that there's other people besides the three of us on this call. Three, four of us. Um, Dave Blake, the CEO of Client Success, before starting Client Success, actually worked at Adobe, and he was a leader of you know customer success for enterprise customers there. And he had actually used another software that's still currently in the market, and found it extremely challenging to do his job in a simple way. He felt like the software he was using was too complex; it didn't have a lot of features. He needed to just like do the basics. And so when he left Adobe, he decided to go out and he was on a mission to go build what he didn't have. And so he is actually, I think, maybe the only or maybe with the exception of one other company has the CEO is actually a former practitioner in customer success who's built and designed the technology. And so I think it's kind of something that makes client success special is that Dave, myself and others in the organization are all former customer success practitioners, right? We come from this world. We've all used different tools and we know what we need to be successful in doing our job. Cool. Your There's story a story behind it, but no, that's great. I love that's that. That's good. character, you have emotion. I don't, I don't know that a lot of people know that about Dave Blake though. And I think it's interesting because I do think that if you have a founder who comes from this space, as opposed to just someone who was in sales or product before, right. And just decided to go do something cool and different. Like he actually, he experienced the same pain our customers experienced and can talk to that. Well, it's yeah, like what we I talked mean, about before where it's like how many consultants have never been CSMs and they're like coaching people on how to build functional CSM teams, right? It's like there's oh, that's, pluses that's and minuses. I would love to talk about the uh, what's happening in, in the world right now with people just sharing things that lack personal experience. Yeah. Right? And they're relying on anecdotes from the experience of others. Yeah. 
the mushrooming of, uh, of consultancy in the customer oh. success world. There's a reason, by the way, that I don't speak as much as you guys in this podcast. I don't, I don't pretend, <laughs> I don't pretend to know the answers to CS. I've never been one myself. So, um, but Dave should, uh, Dave should promote that because I think it's it, like people want that personal touch. The other person you're talking about, by the way, is, is Edward Chu, right? From Catalyst. And I, I know Edward. Christy's giving me this look like, what? No, I'm just like, I just didn't feel necessary to like name any names about anybody else in the space. No, no, no. But I'm, but I'm just saying because, because Edward's in New York and I'm in New York and, um, you know, we're, we're buds as well. And, and, but that's why I go to a lot of like live events. Um, and he's always telling that story, which I think is smart and effective. Right. Um, yeah. So Nancy, Duarte, you guys talk about this, but, uh, the, one of my favorite things that, um, like resources is, is the Harvard business review, the quick reads. Um, and if you want to think about like storytelling or whatever, she's got a, a, a quick book called persuasive presentations and it's how to like interweave storytelling into how we give presentations. Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty old, but it's like, it's, it's a great little pamphlet kind yeah. of handbook yeah, um, to read. So, um, didn't, there is one other post in here. I, I was actually reading cause I, I read it too. Do we have time for one more? Yeah. Uh, this is this is interesting, and I actually want I want to know Christie's perspective on this, just because yeah. you are are leading these things. But how Carly Ager, uh, you know, has this kind of presentation or um, post on how to become more strategic with customers, and I think that's a word that gets thrown around a lot in our industry. Like, I'm a strategic customer success. I talk about strategy, and it's mm-hmm. like, what the hell does that mean? Um, like, just because we're all trusted advisors, we get to be strategic, right? How many buzzwords can we throw? <laughs> Synergy. I know you just like your both of your eyebrows just shot straight up. Um, anyways, uh, I off. That way. I yeah, that they're way. painted on. Do you have a button? Yeah, there's a little button. <laughs> Be surprised. Yeah. So, you know, the, she has six easy ways to up level your customer conversations with questions. Um, we won't go into the questions. It's a great post. You should read it. Um, but also like, I would love to hear your thoughts on what, what, how you coach about strategic conversations, how you identify when a strategic conversation is valuable versus when a tactical conversation is valuable, um, at least from a leadership perspective. Yeah, I will tell you the the number one thing that drives me crazy is when leaders give feedback that they that their CSMs or whomever need to be more strategic and they give no guidance um, because that doesn't mean anything. Like no. literally it doesn't mean anything. And I actually, you know, sadly just got off a call with a woman last week who was just let go from her job. Uh, they were about ready to put their on a pip and they let her decide if she wanted to just leave. And the feedback from her leader was just that she wasn't strategic enough. And I told her in coaching and I said, I need you to go press, go into those meetings, go press and ask exactly what that means. Yeah. And the leader couldn't articulate it and mm-hmm. gave like really poor vague examples that in my opinion, not grounds for termination. And it was just so disgusting and I see it all the time. So, okay, let me go back to answering your question. Now that I just went on my little rant. There. <laughs> if you're a leader and you're telling your, your team or whomever, they need to be more strategic and you're not leaning in to show them or teach them yeah. how to do that or what your expectations are. Shame on you. Um, Did you hear that? Shame. Shame. Yeah. Shame. 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 Yes. Okay. I, I love that we were in the same place there. Um, no. Okay. So for my team, listen, what I do and what I started doing a lot more of now is I do ride alongs. So Good. I actually ride on their calls and I ask the customer when I arrive, like, Hey, is it okay? Is it cool? I'm just going to shout out today. And I take notes 
And the intention there is for me to hear how the CSMs are leading the conversations, where they dive into, where they're maybe where they're falling a little short, the conversation is a little shallow, could go a little bit deeper. And then I'm taking those conversations with very explicit notes and I'm going back to them and I'm giving them coaching and advice on like, hey, listen, your customer said X. Instead of digging into that, you assumed you knew what they meant, right? And so then you responded with an answer and kept moving through. I would have went back and unpacked that because we could have learned X. We could have learned Y. We could have, and I kind of like, I'm guiding them that way because it's the questions and that intellectual curiosity, John, what you talked about, right? Like being curious, being creative. Those are the things that are going to get you to be strategic, right? Like that is where the strategic dialogues take place is when you are intellectually curious and you're asking good questions and you don't make assumptions and you lean in and you dig deeper. That's where that comes from, right? So there's no magical like, oh, I asked, I, I do this one thing and now I'm strategic. No, <laughs> no, it, it, it literally comes from a place of deep curiosity where you innately want to understand what your customers are going through so you can lean in consultatively and strategically to give them advice and guide them because that is your role, yeah. right? Can I, can, I, can, I, can I make a, I, I think it's that overlaid with understanding what the company's objectives and goals are and being able to lean in, but then receive yes. all that and, and put that into a framework that matches what the company needs. That's Correct. huge. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, obviously, hopefully if we're, if we're, we are CSMing correctly, we should have that right in the back of our head. Um, so that should be the foundation of what we're getting to, right? Is that those conversations should lead us closer to those end objectives. But I think people just fall short of that. And sometimes it's time, it's preparation, it's, readiness in the the conversations is the experience and that's why i think if you're a leader the best thing that i've been doing with my team right now is is these ride-alongs because listening to them and hearing where there's opportunities for us i could i can point them very clearly into like where they missed an opportunity and now when they go to the next one and i ride along and i hear them asking different questions i know they got it yeah yeah i love that right so i I don't know that's been my that's been my favorite coaching style to date yeah, this also goes back to, I think Jeff posted, uh, Jeff B posted it, uh, this week about like the art of meeting prep is lost. And this, this idea of like, you can't, you can't rely on your, like your ability to kind of think in the moment, like you have to spend time. Like, yeah, that's important. And that's a skill. And, you know, I think a lot of us have that strength, but I mean, there's like, there's a good amount of like I- intelligence behind spending an hour of your time before you get on each call thinking about these things, like thinking about like how, like how that's what strategic means in my book is saying, look, they're, they're at X and their KPI is Y or whatever. And I have five ideas and I know this customer and I know how their team works. So I'm going to bring these ideas to them and get their feedback and let them augment and let them edit. And then I'm going to work with them to apply those processes and those change management skills right into the team. Like it, it has to be most of the strategy is done before the call is actually made. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I think is one of the hardest things to coach. Cause like, you know, when I'm talking with people that I'm mentoring, it's like, I w- like walk me through your process. And, and most of the time, like I'm dead brained and I'm just like, I have to sit in silence for 20 minutes to think about this. Like, and you're watching me, this is awkward. Like, you know, you can't really do a ride along to the inside of my brain, nor would you want to. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that you're absolutely right. I think there needs to be a lot more accountability when it comes to leadership on these things and these targets and, and what it means to be X or Y. I, I, I'm going to use this opportunity to remind Josh that I still want him to get me an autograph from one of his MBA professors. So this guy, Richard Rumelt, 
at UCLA School of Business who wrote a, a book called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. And I read it twice. I did a book club at it on it at a prior company. And it was really, really amazing because I, I've always liked to consider myself strategic. I played competitive chess for a few years when I was younger, by the Whoa. way. Um, and I, I really love strategy. I think it's fascinating. I love, you know, strategy games, thinking about strategy, yada, yada. Um, and when I try to kind of explain what I think based off of like what I've read to people about strategy is looking for, for leverage or looking for advantages somehow. So like in the book, uh, Rumel, he uses like Ikea as an example. Ikea's strategy is to be vertically integrated and like optimize every single step of their logistics process so that they can keep their prices crazy low and, and basically just dominate their share of the market because nobody can compete with them on price because they've just optimized every single step of that chain. So like whenever I'm, I'm working with people, I'm always looking for like, what's, you know, if you, what's the right combinations of steps and things and people and resources and approaches that's going to yield some sort of outsized advantage mm -hmm. that you, that you won't get without spending that time. And to your point, John, like that takes effort. And to your point, Christy, it takes curiosity. You have to spend a lot of time asking questions, digging deep, you know, asking those five whys, right? Why, 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 until you really understand. Um, and actually a prior mentor of mine who worked at McKinsey and has an M MBA from Stanford, he told me about McKinsey's like problem solving process. Yeah. It's a seven step process and it takes hours. And yeah. like most of it is just like figuring out what is the problem we're solving. Like yeah. they, before you even get into analysis and like finding a solution, it's like just all figuring it out. Well, I mean, when you're charging a thousand dollars and yeah, you charge a thousand dollars an hour, then everything should take hours. Available yeah. hours, baby. But one, <laughs> of the, one of the areas that I'm most impressed about Mickey with his strategy is that he's always thinking about, about principles, like first order, second order principles to drive yeah. his decision-making and mindset. And I think that's very I strategic. Try. I try. <laughs> Sometimes I'm, you know, lots of times I, I will, uh, you know, make all the common errors, but I try. That's awesome. That All great. right. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Should I press record? I think I forgot to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Thank this you. was good. We'll do it again in two weeks. Thank you yep. all. Thank you. Good. Enjoy that grapefruit spin drift. Hey, guys. It's Josh. Don't hang up. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what? Even if you didn't, I'd love for you to give us a rating in iTunes or Spotify. And after you do, email me at josh at update.ai with the name of your favorite charity. And my company, Update AI, will make a donation on your behalf. I'd love to connect with each of our listeners. Send me a LinkedIn request and I'll accept it immediately. Just go to www.update.ai slash LinkedIn and it'll redirect to my profile. Thanks.